you hear about the shark attack last week? Yeah, that's heavy. My partner was was the guy who pulled her out, actually. What? Are you serious? Is this thing on? This is Zach Helminiak. Welcome to The Damn Hippie Show, presented by Nomadics. Today we are speaking with a world-famous adventure and surf photographer by the name of Chris Burkard. I'm sure it's not the first time you've heard his name, as he is one of the most famous Instagram photographers. And we're lucky to have him here today, so uh, without further ado, Chris, welcome to the podcast. Um, Why don't you tell us where you are right now? Well, I'm currently kind of just kicked off the film tour for Under Arctic Sky, and I'm basically spending the next month in an RV traveling up to Anchorage, Alaska to um, to premiere the film. And uh, we're going to go after that through the Midwest and East Coast and then Australia, Europe, and all throughout anywhere else we can show it. So, yeah. Very cool. And is this tour going to be different from your previous tours in any way? Um, I think the film itself is just is just such a lot lar- it's longer it's a it's a bigger project it's a bigger tour it's going to be something that is a lot more immersive you know i mean obviously the, the film itself is longer so i think that the whole entire project we're trying to do more theaters and and whatnot and we're trying to basically have this thing be a lot more like um visible so we're, we're definitely investing more into I mean, the other films I've done, I've really only premiered on the East Coast and West Coast, mm-hmm. you know, but this this film, we're really trying to take as many places as we can. So it's definitely a more involved project. Yeah, that's exciting. And I know I'm going to see it the first chance I get. I'm going to ask something that I've always wanted to ask you, which is why is cold water always on your mind? Uh, <laughs> well, I think it's, it's, you know what, it's funny because people always say, you know, people love, love that kind of that thought, cold water you know, but really it's, it's more about what comes with it, you know, and what, what I think it is, is that cold water represents to me isolation and these, these really desolate, beautiful places. And the the thing about it is like, that's sort of the, that's sort of what you get when you go to places like this. That's what you, that's what you find is this sort of these isolated, beautiful locations where there's no footprints and no people. And that's, that's what's drawn me in. Um, And so I think that with with that, the, the byproduct is, is um is is the fact that there is cold water there and so i guess on a related note because it's such an arduous journey to get to the cold water that you have to get to to find these remote spots so how important is it for you to earn the photo i mean i mean that's everything (laughs) is it more rewarding if it's painful somehow to get where you're going no, I, it's, not, it's not so much that I feel better if it's painful. I just know that I feel so much more like I've had to – like it's a, it's something that I've had to work for and you remember it more. That's that's the truth of it is like I feel like it's easy to remember it a lot more and um, it's easy to kind of feel more connected to what you're doing when you've had to give something to yourself. And that doesn't necessarily have to mean pain. It can also mean like it's stressful. It can mean that it's – it can mean that it's overwhelming. It can mean that you invest a lot of time or money. I don't know. Like, there's all the things that you need. You need to have something on the line, some skin in the game for anything to be worth it. You know. Mm-hmm. So, like that's that's the key. So it's not just pain. It's like you have to be you have to be immersed in it in some somehow. So if you don't mind, can we do a little bit of storytelling right now? 
Could you tell us about one time in the past year or maybe in your entire life that you really felt like you had skin in the game for this one photo or, or maybe one project? Well, I think that the, the film on Arctic sky has, has really been the manifestation of that because it was kind of everything, you know, it was like crazy cold temperatures, you know, there, you know, we're talking like we're dealing with, you know, shooting and filming in, in a scenario where no one's really ever done that before. No one's really ever endeavored to shoot a film where you have three hours of light, you're shooting in almost pure darkness and and you're just, you're, you're shooting with like the most technologically advanced equipment you can get your hands on as well as, you know, as well as trying to line up the Northern lights and the surfer and all of these really, really highly variable things and trying to put them into one. And there was this one experience where, we had a drone operator, Renan Ozturk, really talented cinematographer who came with us. And the guy has this, you know, it's freezing out. He's trying to operate a drone. Batteries are barely lasting like 10 minutes. You know, he's got to reach down under this octocopter and, and put the, turn the red on. And to do that, he has to put his head right by the blades. <laughs> and some, somehow he managed to turn on the blades while he was down there. And I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. This is like a, it's like a long like weird process to like, you have to go like up, down, left, right, just to turn on the blades mm-hmm. with the controller. But he managed to do that somehow. He unlocked this like secret combination of death that basically turned on the blades. And all I remember seeing was, was goose down flying everywhere. You know, he's got this expedition weight jacket mm-hmm. and he just flips the drone over, pushes his, his, um, his camera assistant out of the way. Cause it was like spinning upwards and and then like yeah the drone stops he broke like seven drones on the trip and this time he was just like in full shock you know like PTSD and we like sit him down on the edge of the truck and we're like dude are you okay are you okay he's like I'm fine I'm fine we could see his legs his his pants had just been sliced open like Wolverine had attacked him and um, we open his his pull his legs up and there's just these gashes all the way to the bone. Oh and we God. end up having to take him to a hospital and get like 18 stitches in the middle of Iceland, like waking up a doctor and he's got his pajamas on. And it was brutal, man. It was like, Oh my God. Yeah, you know, and I just can't even describe like the conditions. It was always like some challenge, you know, always some sort of crazy challenge when you're, when you're shooting in that type of, that type of weather, you know, and sure. it's so many variables, you know? So, yeah, I mean, I, I saw Meru and, uh, it really seems like Renan lays it on the line every time. Yeah. Yeah, he absolutely does. I was going to ask you about your most challenging moment in the past year, but I think the uh, I think the last answer <laughs> covered it there. I mean, yeah, uh, that was kind of that was kind of the uh, that was the the one. I mean, that trip encompassed all the most challenging, hardest hardest things. By the way, is that going to be in the film, or was that a behind the scenes right there? Well, you got to come to the screening to to, to <laughs> learn about that stuff. I mean, that's the stuff that's like. We talk about in the slideshow that, that to me, that's like the fun stuff because sure. you get to really share it. I'm curious what you'll say to this because you really travel to the ends of the earth and, uh, you know, you go to a lot of places that are directly impacted by climate change. Yes. And you've been doing it for seven years or so, at least that's how long I've been following those adventures. Do you see pretty apparent changes in the environments due to climate change in the the places that you travel? Um, yeah, I do. You know, um, I do. It's it's kind of one of those things where like I, I've really uh, I've tried to really invest a lot of time into this into into understanding and studying 
what I can about climate change and trying to look at it from a lot of different perspectives. And uh, and one of the realities is the climate is absolutely changing, 100%. Doesn't necessarily mean that it's not a cyclical thing. Doesn't also mean in some ways that it's a bad thing. I mean, I think that the key thing is that we need to we need to focus on, at least from my perspective, the fact that um, you know our actions regardless of whether it's changing the climate or not, are, are still affecting us in ways that um, are making life on Earth less bearable. I mean, um, you know, regardless of climate change, the fact that, like, Utah has such bad inversion layers, the fact that, you know, Hong Kong, you can't even breathe, like, that that's a bigger issue to me than what's happening mm-hmm. in the Arctic, where there's barely any people. Like, we're subjecting ourselves to crazy amounts of pollution, and, and we're allowing ourselves to live like that because this is our means of of energy, renewable energy, you know, whatever. It's not even renewable, like things like coal and things like whatever, you know. So sure. to me, that's that's the way I see it. It's like it's so easy to like be like, oh, the Arctic, let's preserve it. Here's the thing. Nobody cares about the Arctic unless you go there and you see it. How many of you are actually going to go there? Very few. So don't think of it like that. Think about your own sphere of influence, your own circle of friends, your own community, right? Like where and how do you want to see things change there? Do you want to, you know, do you want to have pollution that, that creates a haze in the sky and a wheeze in your chest? You know, do you want to, so, I mean, that's, that's the key thing is it's like, it's gotta be, it's gotta be a local problem because global problems we, we never solve, you know, we, we never care about enough. So that's just, that's kind of the, that's kind of the way I've always tried to think about it is like, yeah, I've, I've seen the effects in far off places. Um, do I want to argue with scientists on whether it's, whether it's a cyclical pattern of the earth or not? No, I don't. But I do want to, I do want to urge people to understand that like the, the problems that we're having there, it's not even about subjecting the earth to this type of thing. It's about subjecting ourselves to it. So why don't we want to create the best quality of life we can for ourselves? I think that's a really good point. Um, I think it's safe to say that we don't all identify with the time lapse of the melting glacier in a place that we've never been to. So um, I think it's a really good point that it has to start with local action. Um, on a on a related note, I know this is a, a topic that you think about and you've you've spoke about. How do you think that we can get the next generation out from behind the screens and off of their couch and leading a more active lifestyle. That's a really good point. I think that I think that anything that we do that can inspire action and and allow people to really like uh, allow people to you know hopefully inspire them to want to go see places. I think that's been a big part of it for me. Is like I used to flip through the pages of magazines and have that dream of going to these white sand beaches, and I realized pretty early on that like those distant shores will always just be distant until you actually go there. Like they're never going to get any closer. No, no amount of daydreaming is going to make them closer. So I think that there has to be an element of just like, just going for it. You know, um, I, I feel like the amount of, uns- like what ends up happening is everybody, everybody likes <laughs> digitally and, you know, internally, everybody likes and loves and they love, you know, the wild ones and, and the, the stories of the, the, underdog and you know people going out but but people don't actually want to embrace that uncertainty they want to go on a vacation or they want to go to a place and they want to only find what's like what they know is going to happen like for example if you go on a surf trip to indo 
they can almost guarantee you that you're going to get waves every day and you're going to have sun this many days. And, mm-hmm. you know, you can almost break it down to the amount of time you're going to be standing on a board on a wave or, or the amount of waves you're going to get. You know, I don't know. Maybe someday they'll be able to sell you that. But the reality is like that's just like not what we need. We need we need more uncertainty. We need places and locations and and experiences in our life that that allow us to have those experiences because that's that's where we find ourselves the most vulnerable, right? So I think I know the answer to this, but have you ever had a fan um, come up to you and say that you've inspired them to travel to a place that you've been? I mean that happens a lot, and that's that's kind of been the that's kind of been the um, that's kind of been the biggest thing for me is like, um, uh, is, is being like, I no amount, no cover or Ted talk or anything like that has really been as gratifying as standing in a remote place and having someone come up and be like, Oh, Hey, I, I came here because I saw you post about it or share about it or something <laughs> like that. You know, that's amazing. So another question about Instagram and, uh, the influence that you've had. How has Instagram changed for you personally since the early days when you were first posting photos and today? Well, it always started as a storytelling tool, and um, and I've I've tried to really keep it that way. Uh, but the reality is that it's it's something that like um, I've just I think what I, what's happened is it's it still is a storytelling tool, hundred um, percent. But the the truth of, of it is is like I I feel like. It's just gotten it's just gotten to be a more immersive tool. Like you know, the beginning I was never really intending or planning or anything to um to go and to go and basically um you know like oh killer well like I'm gonna be able to do like instant meets and actually connect with these people. Like I never really thought that was even an option. Mm-hmm. But nowadays, um nowadays I realize that it's it's um it's actually a totally possibility. You know, with this tour, that's been a huge education for me of being able to look look that up and understand and, and stuff as well. So that's, um, that's awesome. That's like, that's been like the coolest thing for me to really, to really bring this to people and allow them to experience the, the, the stuff that I do, the work that I do, the, the films, whatever like that, that to me has been, I think how it's really changed for me. Sure. And it just worked 30 minutes ago. I found out you're going to be in San Clemente and, uh, there you go. It's working. So, Tell me, is there anything that you don't like about posting your art and your photos through Instagram? No, there's nothing I really, I really don't enjoy about it for sure. Um, I mean, I, I love the whole experience of, of doing that. Like every, everything about it is right. It can be vulnerable at times and it can definitely make you kind of bummed out when, um, when, you know, maybe you're not putting your best work out there. You're, you're, you're kind of forcing yourself to. So I've really tried to take, like, let that take a back seat mm-hmm. to, like making sure that if I'm, if I'm going to be, you know, putting my work out there, that it's going to be my best work and it's going to be my best kind of foot forward and, and voice and everything I can do to, to make sure that like what I'm, what I'm really doing is, is, isn't just because I, I'm forcing myself to put content out there, but I'm actually doing it with a purpose, you know? Um, and that's forced me to really consider and look at like the way in which I'm, I'm sharing stuff, the way in which I'm, um, the way in which I'm talking to people and communicating, like the, the places I'm going, the experiences I'm having, it's also really helped me to, um, like look at conservation, you know? And so that's, that's kind of one of the things I've really hoped for is that people would, would use these platforms and be able to apply some, some conservation null tone to it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, 
so just to just to make sure that like okay they're they're you know as as conscious of those things as, as I am when I go there. Gotcha, um, gotcha. So I don't know if that makes any sense, but I, I just you know it's that's been a real eye opener for me. Is like, yeah, it's one thing to go to these places, but it's even another total thing to be able to give something back. That's a really interesting point because when I look at photos, I never think of them being a vehicle for keeping those places clean as well. For instance, if you post a photo, it makes people more likely to go to that place. Right. But if you guide them with your comment, that maybe makes them more likely to stay pristine. Right. It's, it's all about how you communicate a place, how you, how you speak about it. You know, that's the key thing. Oh, hey, what's up? <laughs> Are we cool to be in here? Yeah, yeah. We good? Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Sorry, we're just posted up at Album Surf right now using their using their conference room. So I have just a few more questions for you here. So obviously we're speaking today because we just co-launched a collaborative product. It's a Nomadics towel with yep. your photos on them. Why is it important for you to collaborate with an eco-friendly brand? Uh, I mean anything that I put my name on, I wanted to represent something good for the environment. So that's, it's not even like a question. I think in ter- it's just in terms of like, okay, well, like this is, this is critical. And this is something that like, it's not even something I wouldn't even consider an, an alternative. Um, the brands that I, I choose to let represent me and I represent them, um, on more of like a social platform, like, uh, like Prana, you know, they, they are, they have gone to amazing lengths to be fair trade and, and, and use you know eco-friendly materials and 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 that's a huge element for me um and so essentially um essentially it's just been something where i think anyone like i said anyone that i'm going to work with and put my photographs on especially in that more intimate setting um i i want to make sure absolutely represents like the best that i can and that i'm i'm doing my best i think that i think that that's we do a lot of research into the companies that we use and and so this is kind of um a byproduct of that so this is kind of a cliche question, but because you travel so much, I'm very curious. Um, can you name one person that's inspired you recently? <sighs> it's not a matter of necessarily who. It's like I'm just trying to think of a, <laughs> of a good name. I mean, I. it's funny because I find myself nowadays looking for inspiration in so many more various places as opposed to like when I was a kid and it was like pure photography. Mm-hmm. Now it's like architecture and, and, and music and a lot of other things um, that I, I do in my life. And, and I think there's a person that, you know, I'm, I'm never really looking to like always new people to be inspired. It's, it's oftentimes um, the sort of older photographers or older work that I'll kind of rediscover. And so um, the work of, of Ragnar Axelson, he's a, Icelandic photographer. Um, uh, he's an Icelandic photographer that's, that's done an amazing job at documenting some of like the most um, incredible like vanishing cultures um, in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of been that's kind of been a, a a big like critical part of of my work is is understanding the way he tells stories and the way that he uses these vanishing cultures in Greenland and Norway and, and everything Iceland. And, and tell stories, bring them to life. So his, his, his kind of nickname is Rax, R-A-X. And if you, if you look him up, you'll see some of his work. I think you'll love it. Okay, yeah, great. I'll check that out, and I'll put a link in the, uh, the blog article. Now, this might be the most important yeah, question that anyone should ask Chris Burkard. Where do you want to go 
that you have not been and why? Uh, the Kuril Islands. And um, yeah, it's been a place that I've been kind of obsessed with and researching for the last couple of years. And I think if I can find an excuse to go there, it'd be amazing. So Kuril? Um, How do you spell that? K-U-R-I-L. Pacific, right? It's, it's in the Pacific, yeah. It's between um, Japan and Alaska. Okay. Well... I just have one final question for you that I that I absolutely must know. Is Justin Bieber outdoorsy? I mean, I'll tell you what, I've been to Iceland with a lot of people and a lot of athletes and he was the most eager to like jump in the water and, and go experience it all, you know, and he packed in as much as you know, anyone else would in in a couple of days. Um so I, I don't I'm gonna leave it at that. You can kinda of make your own conclusion, but I was I was impressed, you know, by how much the kid just wants to explore and just be outside. That's great. So last but not least, where can people go to find out more information about your film tour under an Arctic sky? They can go to the website under an Arctic sky.com and um, there's a tour stop and they can, I mean, the best thing to do is to come and really see this thing in person and, and experience it in real life, you know, because it's going to be great when it's on iTunes, digital download, but um, this is definitely the, the biggest and most important thing we can do. Hey, appreciate it. Later, bro. Thanks for tuning in to The Damn Hippie Show, presented by Nomadics.